Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's continue in the book of Acts. This is in Acts chapter 27, beginning in verse 27. When the 14th night came, we were drifting in the Adriatic Sea, and about midnight, the sailors thought they were approaching land. They took soundings and found it to be 120 feet deep. When they had sailed a little farther and sounded again, they found it to be 90 feet deep. Then fearing we might run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. Some sailors tried to escape from the ship. They had let down the skiff into the sea, pretending that they were going to put out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut the ropes holding the skiff and let it drop away. A skiff, by the way, is also called a dinghy. Think like lifeboat or raft. Or when you see a big giant yacht with a little boat on it, a boat on your boat, that's kind of what the skiff was. So Paul, as we saw in this week's curriculum, has been told by God that they're going to survive. And he adds this, he gives this addendum to that prophecy by explaining that these guys escape, that changes things. So they're, they're, trying to, they're, they're trying to make their way through a storm in the Adriatic Sea. By the way, when you hear Adriatic Sea, it's not the exact same portion of the ocean that we currently call the Adriatic Sea. It's uh, uh, not, not where we see it's between Italy and the former Yugoslavia. It actually refers instead to modern day Ionian Sea for whatever that's worth to you. But either way, they're here on a, in, a, in a season wherein the seas become historically and perennially rough. And exactly as Paul said, what happened has happened. It looked all beautiful and calm and peaceful at first. This is gentle south wind and it looks really good. And Paul's doomsday prediction makes him look dumb. But now he's proven dreadfully right. And so as these, as these men are taking soundings, they find, okay, it's 120 feet. Okay, and now it's 90 feet. And so it doesn't, take, it doesn't take a mathematician to know that like we're drastically getting shallower as we go. And in a very short amount of time, we're going to run aground on rocks and we're going to sink. And so you can see that these men who initially were very, re, uh, very resistant to Paul's proclamations of prophecy about, about what God was going to do through them, now are praying and they're praying for daylight. So the soldiers cut away the, rope, uh, the ropes holding the skiff and they let it drop away. This is the, the famous legend with which, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's true or not, of, of Cortez and his men where they burned their ships when they arrived ashore in a similar fashion, only now in reverse, burning the skiffs, cutting the skiff away, getting rid of the lifeboat. We're gonna stay aboard this ship and trust in what God has told this prisoner who's on board. These events are all described in nautical terms that add up beautifully and perfectly. It's really, really incredible to see. If you're a land lover, uh, it may not make a whole lot of sense to you. I'll be honest, I grew up on the water, but there's, there's, there are terms in this text that are, that are foreign to me. Even the Adriatic Sea thing kind of threw me for a little bit. But what I do know is that this is the inspired word of God. And God had spoken through Paul, and they're beginning to listen to him now. That they would cut the skiffs away is now proof that they're going to adhere to whatever Paul recommends. At first, they weren't listening to him at all. Now, they just cut the skiff away because of what Paul said. As you do your job and you prove faithful and dependable in your secular workspace, you earn the respect of your colleagues and your supervisors. They're gonna listen to you more and more. If you are not dependable, habitually late, if you're caught in lies, especially, these are things that could damage your witness to your coworkers. 
Look at what Paul did in terms of gaining rapport with the crew. At first, he was this guy who was like, we're going into a storm. And now he's the guy who's telling them, unless everybody's on board, no one's going to be saved. Unless, unless he's been staying in the ship, you cannot be saved. And then they cut the lifeboats away. They cut the skiff away. That look, at, look at how much they've grown in their respect for Paul. Let this be a picture of the rapport and respect you can have in your work setting. Your work is your ministry calling. Your vocation is the setting in which you answer the call of God on your life. So there's more at stake than your good standing with your boss when a deadline approaches. It's your integrity and it's your ability to share the gospel. If there's a barrier between you and your coworkers and that you're not pulling your weight, You've just put up a barrier between yourself and your coworkers, but you'd be amazed. Even people who do not profess Christ will listen to you all the more if you prove yourself respectable and be the absolute most diligent and admirable and, and, and honest worker on your team. I've seen this happen in deeply secular settings in my own personal work life. I've seen this happen as well when I'm the token Christian, especially when I'm the token Christian, I am the hardest worker on that team, always making sure to provide time for family, of course. So listen to Paul's example, implement it at your setting. You may not be aboard a ship that's headed toward disaster, but you are the token Christian in a setting where you need people's respect because it's not just your maritime advice you're going to give. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ by which people are going to be saved. This is the book of Acts, and it's happening right now in your workspace. Let's live this out together. Are you ready? Go.